Let's turn then in God's Word to the first letter of Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1. We'll be reading tonight the first 12 verses, although our message is based on verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 1, we'll read verses 1 through 12, centering our thoughts then on verse 8. Let us hear the breathed out word of God. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, According to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. So now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicated when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you. And the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. As far as the reading of God's word, let's ask for God's blessing on it. Let's bow. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your plan of salvation, a plan that you put into effect long before this world was even formed. You love us, Lord. We thank you for the plan that you have put into motion because that plan gives us hope hope of being able to spend eternity with you, understanding and knowing you. We thank you for the love that you give to us. We thank you for the joy, and we thank you for the peace that this world simply cannot understand. 
We pray that you will give Pastor Bob the words that he needs to be able to present the message to us. And may our hearts be open and ready for that message. We just ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. If you're taking notes, uh, you might want to access not only the page for sermon notes, but also on the back side of the song that we sang uh, at the beginning of worship are a number of scripture verses that uh, sooner or later we'll be looking at uh, in our message tonight as well. But we start here in 1 Peter chapter 8. This beautiful message that Peter gives. I want to look at three things this evening in regards to the irresistible joy of our tulip of the Christian life. The Christian's life, secondly, the scripture's testimony, and thirdly, the irresistible outreach. Life, testimony, outreach. See, that's what Peter is speaking of here. He's speaking of the Christian's life. This is a message to those who are believers. This is not a message to the world. This is not a message to the unbeliever. This message was to believers from the very beginning we have that. We have the idea of the fact that this letter is being written To those who according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, according to the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and the sprinkling of his blood. This is to whom Peter is addressing. But even more, perhaps personally. It's one thing to put it in the address. It's one thing to put it in the heading. But here in verse 8, we have this beautiful statement. See, Peter had seen Jesus Christ. Peter was an eyewitness to the miracles of Christ and the teachings of Christ. Think back to where we are in the Gospel of Mark. Who is it that is first called to be disciples? Peter and Andrew, James and John. They're with them the entire journey. They're with him through the events of those three years of ministry. They are with him in that upper room. They live through the tragedy of the cross from their perspective. They experience the wondrous hope of the resurrection. Peter being one of the first to run to see the empty tomb. They witness Christ's ascension, they experience there in that upper room the Holy Spirit's coming. But these people to whom he's written, writing here, they didn't have that eyewitness, nor do you and I. But notice Peter is not saying, ah, you know, I can kind of understand why this really doesn't excite you. I can kind of understand being, being the fact that, uh, you know, you, didn't really, you, you never really saw Jesus. You never really heard Jesus' audible voice. You, you didn't witness a miracle. You, you didn't 
see the resurrected. You didn't see him ascend. I, I can kind of understand why the Christian life for you is kind of blasé, where uh, it's not very exciting. It's just kind of going through motions. But listen to these beautiful words. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. I've never seen Jesus. You've never. But I would take it the vast majority of us here in this place this evening are these people. We love Christ. We believe in him. It's kind of an interesting way Peter makes this expression. It's, it's a unique way. He, he, he's saying, you are those who are going into Christ. You, you are those who are, as it were, falling into Christ. You are the, those who have given yourselves fully into Christ. You are resting completely in the work of Christ, and you're remaining faithfully in Christ. You're not deserting him. You're not leaving him. You trust him fully, completely for your salvation. So just as Peter is writing to these folks, our circumstances are no different than to those he is addressing in verse 8. We are these people. This is God's living word coming to you and I. This is God's word through the Holy Spirit entering our hearts, entering our ears, entering our minds. Yes, Peter, we are those people. We love Jesus. We are resting in Christ. In the finished work of our Lord and Savior for our salvation. And we, perhaps more so, not necessarily we just as little farms, but we as reformed believers perhaps in any, because we understand grace. We understand this election. There are some people you see who sweep this all away. This is not important. It's all about your decision. It's all about what you do. Not we as the Reformed. We as the Reformed understand we are saved because, as Peter says, of that foreknowledge of God. We know we're saved not by our works, but by faith alone. Oh, how we love Him. Oh, how we are resting in Him. Notice what happens. And you rejoice with joy. See, just like these folks, just like these elect exiles, it's like these who have been sanctified, who have been elected, who have been sprinkled with the blood of Christ. They rejoice with joy. 
an interesting expression, isn't it? Why didn't Peter just say, and you rejoice? Why does Peter add, you rejoice with joy? How else would you rejoice? Isn't that what rejoicing is? That you rejoice with joy? Simon Kistemacher in his commentary on this phrase says that the, the meaning of this particular expression is to shout for joy without containment. See, Peter is keeping us from saying, well, I rejoice. I, I rejoice in my heart, and I rejoice quietly. After all, I'm kind of a reserved individual. I don't get excited about things. And so if you could understand my heart and my soul, my heart and my soul are rejoicing. Yes, I'm just bubbling over with joy. You can probably see it on my face, can't you? It's there. No, this is rejoicing with joy. This is an exuberance. This is on display. That's why it's not just rejoice. That's why Peter wrote rejoice with joy. A joy that speaks out. A joy that rings out. A joy that shouts out. A joy that sings out. That's the rejoicing that Peter is speaking of. This is where the Holy Spirit is bringing Peter. And what's interesting is that the Greek tense that is used here is not once. It's not, you do this once. You rejoice with joy, you get it over with. Whew! Did that? Boy, that was tough for me in my reserved personality. That, that was tough for me as a Dutchman, you know, not to get excited about anything because we Dutch people never get excited about anything. Oh, it was so hard for me to break out of my personality mode, but I did it once, so that's it. No, Peter's not going to let you go. The Holy Spirit isn't going to let us go that easy. Because the tense is in the present tense, it means continual, ongoing action. We rest daily in Christ, filling us with a joy. So that we rejoice with joy. Walk by the, the children's singing time sometime. And you'll probably hear a song once in a while. It's a song that goes something like this. I've got a joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart, I've got a joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart to stay. And I never see kids sing that without excitement. Right? They're like, I've got a joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Now you age that person. So they're 16. It's amazing. They can't even get their lips to move. Oh, uh, that doesn't leave the rest of you out of it either because none of you joined in. What happens to us when we age? A 
I'll put it this way. Why do we get so crabby? Where does that joy go? What happens? That the rejoicing with joy that we see in the exuberance of our children disappear. You know, what's interesting is I'm not so sure it just disappears. It seems to me what happens is it gets redirected. Beyond I promised you this. When I was still a teacher, in a Christian school nonetheless, towards the last week before Christmas vacation, we, we would have a Christmas chapel. And we would sing very familiar Christmas carols. Now you've got to remember, I'm dealing with, well, at the beginning, 7th, 8th, and ninth graders. By the time I'm done, it's 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. And as we're singing, you can basically hear pins drop. Okay? Not very loud. But on the last day before spring vacation, or on the last day before Christmas vacation, we always had a fun gathering. We'd go to the gym. And we'd sing crazy songs. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. And all oh, the shouts and the laughter and the, the just simply display mouths that sat so quiet. With hark the herald angels sing. Suddenly opened. I know women have been watching this video and I don't know if you're quite up to this point or not. But in the video he... The speaker raises the question, I'm not quite so sure why so many pagan gods get so much praise and glory and joy and Christ gets so little from his people. Because you see, when the black M wins and scores a touchdown, a hundred thousand plus people erupt they come to their feet. Their hands go in the air. They're yelling. They're screaming. They're turning to one another, embracing one another. Oh, it's wonderful. We scored a touchdown. But we come to church. Yes, isn't God great? Isn't God wonderful? In fact... We've got to put on the most somber face there is. Some people even believe we shouldn't laugh in church. We shouldn't rejoice. There should be no joy in church. It ought to be, you see, just down in our hearts. But that, you see, is a violation of what Peter is telling us. We are to rejoice with joy. Why should the block M, sorry, others of you, it's a bad year, okay? Why should the block M get so much praise and adoration for a simple touchdown when Christ has redeemed our soul for all eternity? 
ongoing, continual. But listen to what Peter, he, he's not done. It's like, okay, we got it. Oh, no, no, not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants, wants to deal with us just a little bit more on this. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is what? Inexpressible and filled with glory. The joy is so great. The joy is so astounding that the words themselves fall so short of that which God deserves. A joy that one finds difficult to find the exact words to express the true joy that is found in our hearts. Because we believe in him, even though we've never seen him. Notice what Peter says. You're a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. A joy that has glory. Do you know what glory is? Glory is the radiance of God. Glory is that which Moses had when he comes down from the mountain and his face shines so brightly he's got to wear a covering over it. Glory is so radiant that when Christ is transfigured, those disciples fall on their faces. We who believe in Jesus, even though we've never seen him, we rejoice with a joy that we find hard to put the words to, but yet that joy shines out. It what? Shines out. Oh, it's not hidden here. It's not kept quiet here. It's not kept secret here. The glory of God. You mean I can't keep it contained? No. Even though I might find the words difficult to express the joy, the glory still shines forth because you can't hold back the radiance of God. A life that is lived with so much joy that it just shines and shines and shines like the face of Moses to the world around us. Because, you see, verse 9, we are obtaining the outcome of our faith, the salvation of your soul. Not then. Now, right now. See, this is the right now moment of Christianity because we believe that we have our salvation now and we will never lose it. There is a rejoicing with joy that shines out from us 
See, I understand why the Arminian wouldn't have this joy. Because they're always worried they're going to lose their salvation. What if I lose it tomorrow? What if I don't have it tomorrow? What if it's gone tomorrow? What if I do something and trip up and my salvation is gone? Oh, i got to live life with all sorts of worry and all sorts of concern. Well, if you're living life with worry and concern, obviously you're not going to live it with much joy. But how can a reformed person who believes in the perseverance of the saints, the irresistible grace of God, the unconditional election that God has placed upon our lives. How could we not respond? It's the Holy Spirit calls and testifies to us to rejoice with joy. I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood. He has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. And he watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on, to live for him. What is the purpose of man? What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and to enjoy, to rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible but filled with glory. You know who ought to be the people who are the most joyful people in life? It's the people who most understand the depths of what it means to be reformed. And sadly, the very opposite so often happens. The more committed people are, it seems, to the reformed faith, the more somber-looking they must be. Just look at the pictures of our ancestors. There isn't a smile on a face. Did they understand the reformed faith? Absolutely. Oh, I want to go back to those. No, no, no. Because what's missing was the rejoicing with joy. Now listen to Scripture's testimony. Why should we rejoice with joy? As Peter is saying here, because of our salvation. Reiterated, Psalm 71, 23. My lips will shout for joy. I will sing praises to you, my soul also, which you have redeemed. Isaiah 61, 10. I will rejoice, I greatly, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me 
with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress. And as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Joy because of my salvation. Joy because it is the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. See, it's irresistible joy. Because I can't resist it. This is what happens to a believer. A believer is filled with the joy that the Holy Spirit brings. What kind of joy? The joy that rejoices with joy. Inexpressible, yet shining forth with the glory of God. A rejoicing, a joy, even in the midst of suffering. Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail. And the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. James 1, 2 and 3. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Rejoice. Philippians 4, 4, in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Not just when, oh, the sun's shining today. I can rejoice and have the joy. I'll show it forth. I'll smile at everybody. Oh, it's another cold gray day in November. I got nothing to be happy about, nothing to be joyful about today. Oh, isn't the... God, the God of your son. Yeah, but it's a gray day again. Rejoice in the Lord always. And look at all the things that are covered here underneath this. Psalm 32, 11, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Psalm 47, 1, Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. Psalm 100, verse 1, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Psalm 118, 24, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Psalm 119, 11, your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. Nehemiah 12, 43, and they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. And the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. Wouldn't it be awesome someday to have some neighbor stop by on a Monday morning and just say, Pastor Bob, what happened last night? What happened yesterday at Little Farms? Why? I could hear the joy. See, that's what happened here. They could hear the joy far away. Romans 14, 17, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, of peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You want to boil it down? 
Here it is. The kingdom of God boiled down. It's about righteousness. It's about peace. And it's about joy in the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. One commentator on that particular verse said, one of the reasons that perhaps so many Christians become despondent and lack hope is because they're not expressing joy. Seems like that's a biblical truth here from this passage in Romans. See, the point is, Scripture is saying to us, surrounding us, this is what we are to be. We are to be people of joy. So that brings me to the last point, the irresistible outreach. What an attraction. What an attraction. A good attraction. A positive attraction. What led all those people to come at Pentecost? Oh, they heard a sound. They also heard a man speaking. <laughs> he was so joyful, they thought he was drunk. Because you see, that joy was just bubbling over. It was there. He's exuberant. What is this we hear, each man in our own tongue? What? Joy, it attracts. I think this is perhaps one of the least used means that the Christian church makes use of in terms of evangelism and outreach and missions. Joy. People might come for the wrong reason, but at least they come. Unbelievers don't show up when it's a bunch of crabby people. Because crabby people, they have at home. Crabby people is what they are. Because crabby people have no hope. But it is in the church of Jesus Christ where they ought to find joy. Joy. Folks, you know, you know me well enough. Those of you as visitors, take my word for it. You know me well enough that I have very little tolerance and low tolerance for churches that are Miles wide, but only an inch thick. But you know that inch thick? <laughs> what oftentimes is it? It's joy. People walk in and they see joy. And they experience that the people with whom they encounter are joyful. And folks, here's... 
Here's the thing. It's only an inch deep because they have no depth. They have no doctrine. They have no biblical truth. To its fullest. Here we are, miles deep in the truth. <laughs> but only this deep in joy. Now offered that choice, where would you go? Realistically, where would you go? See, the problem is they need more depth. <laughs> the problem is we need more joy. Because joy attracts. Luke chapter 15. A guy loses his sheep. He goes out and finds it. What does he do? He rejoices. What happens? Everybody comes to rejoice with him. A woman loses a coin. She finds it. What does she do? Come, come with me and rejoice. I've lost a coin and I've found it. How much more that which we have found in Christ. Should we not then be calling people, look what I found. I found a joy in Christ that I can't even express, but I pray my life shines forth with it. Because you see, that's a necessity. You read the newspaper lately? You think those people out there have any joy? You think they got any hope? Because you believe in him, even though you have not seen him. And you have a joy. You are called to rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible, filled with glory. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for your word and for its reminder tonight. May we go forth from this place as we live our lives as missionaries in this world that you have called us to live in with a joy that shines forth with the glory and the brilliance of Christ himself. Oh, what a wonder it is that you've saved us. Oh, the joy that floods our heart. In Christ's name, God's people say, Amen.